All right, let's give them a round of applause, would you please? We're going to be highlighting a lot of these leaders because at the end of this series that we're launching today, you're going to have an opportunity to join one of those teams. Um, and, uh, and so we really want you uh, to be thinking about and learning about the ministries that are going on uh, throughout the life of this church. We have a mission statement. Here's what it says. Our mission is to equip every person to take the next step in becoming a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. That's our mission statement. That's why we exist. If you're new here or, or maybe you've been coming for a couple weeks and, and you're like, I wonder what this church is all about. Like, what, what is going on? Well, we have a lot of going on. So we have a lot of fun together. We're a family, but we have a mission that we're unapologetic about, and that is we want to help every single person be equipped to take that next step in becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Mission statements are an interesting thing. Uh, a, a lot of people have mission statements. You go to Google or, or even uh, the electric company, uh, everybody has a mission statement of some kind, and, and we're no different. We, we take this mission statement very, very seriously. Uh, the, I had a, a partner, I, if you're new around here, I used to be a police officer, and, and my partner in, in the police department in L.A. Uh, was a former Navy SEAL. Uh, he served on uh, SEAL Team 5, and just one tough, bad mojo, uh, and a dear, dear friend. His name's Buck. And, uh, and uh, many, many nights uh, spending the night uh, out on the street together, several talks. We went through the academy together, and I got to talking with Buck about the SEALs, and they don't, if you've ever met a SEAL, they don't talk about their missions or the things that they've done, but they'll They'll, they'll talk in vague terms. And I got to talking with Buck one day about uh, the SEALs and what attracted him. And certainly um, one of the things that attracted him was uh, lots of uh, guns and firepower and the ability to uh, do things that some of you may not like. But anyway, that was super enticing to him. One of the other things that was super enticing to him when he was younger, uh, when he had first enlisted, was the mission statement of the Navy SEALs. And uh, if, you've, if you know anything about SEALs, they get this trident. Uh, they're not pinned yet, um, but uh, actually this guy on the left, uh, my left, has uh, a trident, this little pin uh, that goes across, and, uh, and that stands for something, and, and it's their mission. I want to read to you in part the mission of a Navy SEAL. And then you can decide, I know several of you are thinking if you should become a Navy SEAL, and so maybe this will help you make that decision. Um, Cheryl, are you considering? Maybe, maybe not. Navy SEAL? Okay. Okay, so here in part is what Navy SEALs sign up for. We expect to lead and be led. In the absence of orders, I will take charge, lead my teammates, and accomplish the mission. I lead by example in all situations. I will never quit. I persevere and thrive on adversity. My nation expects me to be physically harder and mentally stronger than my enemies. If knocked down, I will get back up every time. I will draw on every remaining ounce of strength to protect my teammates and accomplish our mission. I am never out of the fight. 
We demand discipline. We expect innovation. The lives of my teammates and the success of our mission depends on me. My technical skill, my tactical proficiency, and attention to detail, my training is never complete. We train for war and we fight to win. I stand ready to bring the full spectrum of combat power to bear in order to achieve my mission and the goals established by my country. The execution of my duties will be swift and violent when they are required and yet guided by the very principles I serve to defend. Brave men have fought and died building the proud tradition and feared reputation that I am bound to uphold. In the worst conditions, the legacy of my teammates steadies my resolve and silently guides my every deed. I will not fail. It's in part of the mission that you agree to when you are thinking of becoming a Navy SEAL and when you do become a Navy SEAL. The mission is clear. We're talking about the mission in, in this series of Rock Creek Church. We're talking about our, our mission statement. And, and just like Buck, who is still my dear friend, was enticed to join the Navy SEALs and then live that chaotic, crazy life of jumping out of planes and swimming underneath boats. And By the way, the Pope, uh, if you're new here, it's not the Pope, it's Mark Popenhagen. We call him the Pope. The Pope uh, jumped out of a perfectly good airplane this week. Uh, and did not die. How many of you would never do such a thing? Yep, I'm with you, my hands up. Never. How many of you would jump at the opportunity to jump out of a perfectly good plane? Huh, okay. That says something about you. Well, anyway, just like Buck was enticed to join a team, a mission of people who are like-minded going in one direction, my hope is to entice you to be a much greater part of the team here at Rock Creek Church. That's my goal for the series because of the mission. And maybe this is new for you. You think, well, uh, sports teams have missions, political parties have missions, uh, military has missions, businesses have missions, but a church? Why would a church have a mission? Why, why would a church ha even have a mission statement? Churches are, are really just people who, who dress nicer than maybe they do during the week and they smile when they're really sad and they eat potlucks and, and get together and sing songs and learn a little bit about God. Isn't, isn't that just church? And I can maybe understand why a church, a big church would have a mission statement, but a small church? A small church like ours? Like, why would a small church like ours have a mission statement. Recent statistics tell us that 91% of churchgoers in the United States attend a church under 1,000 people. 91% of Christians that attend a church on a regular basis attend a church that's under 1,000 people. Over 86% excuse me, 83% attend a church between 499 and 100. 83%. You know what that tells us? 
This applies to most of you. We're normal. We're completely normal. Most of you are, are average. I mean that as a compliment. You look good. You smell good. You sound good. We are the normative of the church in the United States. Our church is in that discussion of the overwhelming norm. And a mission statement is unbelievably important. And, I, and I'm here to tell you, we might be small, but we have this mission statement and it dictates everything we do. All of our discussions, all of our dollars that are being spent, all of our ministries that are being created is shaped around this mission. This mission of Rock Creek Church started over 20 years ago. And the mission has been essentially the same. Maybe some wording tweaking here and there to sharpen it up. But the mission, the heartbeat of the church, of Rock Creek Church, has stayed the same. Every service, every ministry, everything that we do. It's this mission that, that catapults a small group of believers a few couples that are still in this room to think, well, what if we started a church and called it Rock Creek Church? It, it is the mission that takes it from an idea, a prayerful idea, and moves it to what you see today. Weddings, funerals, life groups, internships, foster care, Christmas parties, trips to Juarez, trips to Africa, life groups, and the list goes on and on and on. Base Camp Children's Ministry, Thrive Student Ministries, Lead Team, Elders, Expanding. This is the mission. This is what we've been called to. And our mission comes from Matthew 28, 19, and 20. If, if you've been around church for any length of time, you've probably at least heard of this passage. And, and maybe if you're new, this will tell you exactly why we do what we do. And our mission, both locally and all around the world, is to equip as many people who walk through our door, whether you've been with us for 20 years or today is your first day, our mission is to equip you to become a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ to help you take that next step. For maybe for some of you, taking that next step will be to not drink anymore, to, to not smoke that anymore, to stop sleeping around, to stop cheating and lying, to deal with your anger. Maybe the next step for you is to find your Bible. You know you have someone, uh, a Bible somewhere at home. You just can't find it. Maybe that's your step. Or maybe your step is to start a ministry, be a lead team leader, to run a life group, to join a life group, to go to Juarez, to go to Africa. Whatever it is, our job, our mission, what God has told us directly is you are going to help people take the next step. Disciples is the word that Jesus used in the passage. So we think as a staff and an elder board that the mission that Christ has given us is a pretty big deal. And we take it really seriously. To the point where we're looking at everything that we do and making sure it funnels in the same direction. 
And in accomplishing this mission, if we're going to accomplish Matthew chapter 28, we've identified four areas that we need to be focused on, four areas that, that need to drive everything that we do here at Rock Creek Church. And over the next four weeks, including today, you're going to hear about each one of those. Today, uh, we'll start with the first one, but all four of them are these four, belonging, growing, serving, and reaching. It's why we exist. It's what we do. It's how we're going to accomplish it. Very clear, very crisp, very simple, but very profound. Belonging, growing, serving, and reaching. Today, we're focused on the first aspect of our discipleship process of accomplishing our mission, and that is belonging. Would you say that with me? Belonging. Say it one more time. Belonging. belonging. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at Acts chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those. Or you can turn your phone on to Acts chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible or a phone, you can open up uh, one of the Bibles in the seats in front of you or under your seat. There are several Bibles there. And we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 10 to show us what does it mean to belong to Christ and what does it mean to belong to his church? And, and in our context, to Rock Creek Church. And this passage gives us insight to what does it mean to belong to a church? What does that look like? And so, number one, there's four points here this morning that we're going to zip through. Number one is that those who are looking for something are welcome here. Anyone, no matter what you look like, no matter how you're dressed, no matter how you live your life, whether we agree or disagree with you, whether we will debate political or, or moral or ethical terms in the midst of our culture, you are welcome here. Are you with me? Amen. Every single person on the planet earth is welcome at Rock Creek Church. And we have to be that kind of a church. We have to continue to move in that way. We're talking about those who are not yet committed to Christ, who are not living the life, who are, who, and maybe that's you today. I want you to know you're welcome here. You don't have to feel like you have to sing our songs or dress the way Jack and Ethan do. I, in fact, I hope you don't. But we, well, God's speaking. And so, but we want every single person that walks through these doors to know you're welcome here. And this passage gives us a little bit of that insight. I want you to look at Acts chapter 10, and I'm going to start reading at verse 1. This is the story of Cornelius. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version, uh, so it might be a little different wording. Uh, for your passage. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with all of his household, gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended to the memorial before God, and now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. 
when the angel spoke to him, had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while there, while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance or into a deep sleep. We're going to pause for a moment in this story. Cornelius is uh, a high-ranking official working in the Italian cohort. The scriptures describe that he is a God-fear. Some will mistake in this as he is one who loves God, is serving God, is following Jesus, that he is what we would deem to be a Christian. And that's kind of right, but kind of not right. A God-fear in those days would be someone who is going through the motions, someone that is going to church, someone that is giving an offering, someone that is maybe even attending a church event and yet is not following with their heart Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Maybe some of you have been there. You start going through the motions because that's what you do. Uh, we used to call it uh, back in the day, checking the box, that your mother would call you and go, have you been going to church? And you say, yeah. Maybe you haven't or you, or you have, but you say yes anyway. And there is no relationship with Christ. You're checking the box. You're doing your duty. You're accomplishing what you know you, quote, should do. And this is Cornelius. He's a God-fearer. In other words, he knows there's something about God, but he doesn't quite understand it all, and he has not surrendered his entire life to God. And a bit of a history, this is part of why Rock Creek Church was even started. There were those who were already saved that, that needed a church when Rock Creek Church launched in a living room praying and thinking about it and then eventually got to schools and, and began to grow because there were Christians. But there was also a lot of young families with kids that were what I would deem to be God-fears. That is, that they knew their families needed something. They knew that there was a, a God-something out there and they should raise their kids in that kind of an environment. People exploring, wondering, kicking the tires, doubting, looking for truth, trying to investigate something. That's how the church started. And... That's why this church continues to stand with its arms wide open. That if you're looking for something, that if someone in your world is looking for something, you are welcome here. We want you to come and to explore, to push back, to doubt, to argue, to fight against, but we want you to feel welcome here, even in your doubts. Did you know that as of 2018, two out of three Christians live in doubt? You might relate to this. Have you ever been praying and go, am I crazy? Is, am I just talking out loud? Should I be in an institution? Like, is God even real? When I die, is it just going to be silence and, and, and there is no heaven and all this was a joke and Maybe you've doubted that. Maybe you've wondered that. Maybe you're wondering that now. Can I just say to you, that's okay. 
Even as a Christian, that's okay to doubt, to wonder. Two out of three. You know what the statistic is for those who are not walking with Jesus? A hundred percent. A hundred percent because there's a doubt, there's a struggle, there's a wonder there about this idea of a creator. People investigate. People struggle. People doubt. People explore. And, And those who belong to Rock Creek Church... Those who identify Rock Creek Church as their home that belong, we will be faithful as a follower of Jesus Christ to welcome every single person who doubts and explores and looks into. And then God sends an angel. Let's get back to the story. God sends an angel to Peter. This is where things get a little funky. God sends an angel to Peter, or, 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 or it says uh, to Cornelius, go get Peter. And then Peter has a vision, and it's a sheet, clean and unclean, and you can read it in the passage. We're, we're not going to unpack that today. But suddenly, on verse 17, there's a knock at Peter's door. And the crew from Cornelius is is standing there and says, hey, our centurion Gentile master has sent us to bring you back to his house. Now, a Jew, Peter, was not supposed to enter into the home of a Gentile in Cornelius. This is found in verse 28. And then in a snap, in an absolute moment, here's exactly what happens. Peter understands his vision that he saw with the sheet. And it's one of those aha moments. It's one of those where you go, I don't really know why God's telling me to do this. I don't really know why I'm supposed to go and meet with this person. I don't really know why I'm supposed to call them, but I feel like God's prompting me, so I'm going to do it. And then your eyes are open and you have that aha moment. And this wasn't this idea of the sheet on one side clean and and one side not clean. What the readers would initially uh, have thought about this vision, that it was about food, that there's clean food and unclean food. And Peter very quickly realizes this was not about food at all. This was about people. Accepting those who are looking. And for us as Rock Creek Church, if we are going to accomplish the mission that God has given us very clearly as a pastoral team and an elder board, we have to be, and when I say we, that means every single one of you that call Rock Creek Church home, we have to be ready for the Lord to bring us lots of Corneliuses. We have to be ready when those doors open out here and Lord willing, when we expand and get that building out front and we knock this wall out and there's a new front door, when those doors open, we have to be willing and ready and excited for lots of Corneliuses to walk through that door. Guess what? We're not interested in a bunch of more Christians coming in. You're certainly welcome here. 
But our mission is for those who are still far from God to walk through that door and that we help them find a fully devoted life in Jesus Christ. That means they're not going to look like you. That means there's going to be some colorful language at times. They're going to wear hats in church. Get over it. (laughs) They're not going to sing our songs. If that bothers you, this may not be the right place for you. If you expect everybody to come in and show reverence for what we believe, this is not the right place for you. I say that in love, but I say that with unbelievable firmness and support of the staff and the elders. Because if we are going to reach what Jesus said he came for, and that is the lost, we will not be what the New Testament stood against in a bunch of rules and regulations, and you will look and talk and act like us. It will not happen. that's one of the reasons why I hope you love this church is you could bring anybody in your life into this room and know that they are welcome. Anybody off the street, anybody at your job, anybody in your neighborhood, anybody that you were at a party with last night, you are welcome here. That's number one. Number two, in regards to that, Even though every single person of all walks of life is welcome here, we will be unapologetic that the gospel will be clearly presented. We will not hold back. The gospel is good news. It's the basic information that you need to start a relationship with Jesus. And you can't understand the good news if you don't understand the consequences. Something can't be good if you know what the alternative, if you don't know what the alternative is. The bad news, the result of sin, Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. The solution because of that is found in only one person, that is Jesus. It's only found in Jesus. It's not found in self-help books. It's not found in just be nice to your neighbor. It's not found in dress nice and be nice and look the church part and do what we want. It's only found in Jesus Christ. The rescue from our sin. In fact, the Bible describes it as this, that you have been rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the light of the son that he loves. You have been rescued. And Jesus does that by dying on the cross. We will not water down that message. Every single person is welcome here. You can come in. Your friends can come in. They cannot look the part. They can just be themselves. But we... we, we, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) We will be unapologetic about this gospel message that Jesus died on the cross to give you a hope. That he died on the cross for your sins. That he died a death that you and I so absolutely deserve. And that he stood in our place. And that he rose again. And that the Bible says if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. 
and that He offers forgiveness and grace and hope and eternal life if we will just surrender to Him. This is the gospel that Peter preaches to Cornelius when he finally arrives at his home. And it's the absolute central message of Rock Creek Church. I want you to look at Acts chapter 10. We're going to jump down to verse 39 if you're following along with us. Otherwise, you can just listen. That's cool. Verse 39, And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witnesses that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And though we absolutely believe that every single person that's looking for something is welcome here, this gospel message is one we will not compromise on. We will declare it. We will preach it. We will help people understand it. We will equip people to understand what does that practically look like for their lives. It's the essential message of the church. And yes, we might have pub tables in our lobby or in our sanctuary. We might have wood on our walls and we might paint the sanctuary and we might even put tables in here. We will do whatever it takes to reach the people of where we are planted. Anything. You might see us dressing casually. I have hammerhead sharks on my shirt. I have tattoos. I have no hair. I like to shoot guns and ride motorcycles. I think my wife's hot. I'm not the pseudotypical pastor. This isn't the pseudotypical church. And you don't have to be. We love Jesus. We're pursuing him with everything that we have. We make mistakes. We don't take ourselves very seriously. We take God very, very seriously. We don't think too highly of ourselves as pastors or elders. We, we hold up high the majesty of Jesus. We believe very strongly in sin, but even more so the redemption of grace. You might hear secular music being played in the parking lot. Please don't let that be a stumbling block for you. If you hear a bad word, come and tell us. But we want to make sure that the world out there understands you are welcome here, but you are going to hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what's driving us to accomplish our mission statement because we will not compromise on the message. We might hit a lot of topics throughout the year, different series, but the staff and the elders and I, we are 
committed to doing our best to including this gospel message as often as humanly possible into everything we say up here, either from Alex leading in worship to whoever's delivering the message. It is the gospel. That is number two. Number three, conversion is clear and baptism is joyfully celebrated. Well, I'm going to read real quickly in Acts chapter 10. Jump with me now to verse 46. Actually, the latter part of verse 45. The people who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on even the Gentiles. Notice that word. That's going to be important as we talk about here in a minute. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing, uh, baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then he asked them to remain for some days. The Holy Spirit comes after the gospel message is clearly presented. People are convicted of sin. They, like Cornelius, go, oh my gosh, now I know what I was pursuing. I'm going to give my life to this man who died on the cross for my sins. He gave it all. I'm following that. And, and immediately, Peter is going, well, why, why are we delaying? Let's baptize. Now, one of the questions you might have in this, and we're not going to unpack it at this time, we're going to do a, a series on this, but you may have the question of, well, does that mean that if you are saved, if there's conversion, that you immediately just start speaking in tongues? I'm not going to go too in-depth with this, only to say this, God moves in miraculous and mysterious ways. That includes tongues, uh, a special, unique prayer language. Some of you have that language. You have enjoyed that language, that special prayer language. Some of you, like me, have never had that. And you have wondered, well, man, am I really a Christian if, if I haven't spoken in tongues? Or, or you think uh, maybe if you do speak in tongues, you look at those who haven't and go, I don't really know if they're saved. And, and we're not going to go too deep into this other than to say... God is big, and He doesn't like to be put in a box. He doesn't like to be told, if your followers believe, here is exactly what happens. If you want more information on this, there's a book written by Jack Deere called Surprised by the Power of the Holy Spirit. There's a picture of it on the screen, and you could write down uh, this uh, book and, and maybe purchase that on the e-version or the physical copy. If you have questions about that, uh, Alex would uh, be willing to have a, a greater uh, in-depth conversation about that book specifically and it speaking about tongues. But what we do know is that conversion in this moment was absolutely clear and then baptism took place. And in this church, we don't ever want to take uh, conversion lightly. We don't want to ever take a decision for Jesus Christ lightly or, or loosely. We want to take it very, very serious because we don't want anybody to try and figure it out on their own. You weren't meant to figure it out on your own. You weren't meant to try and walk with Jesus all by yourself. And since the beginning of the Christian movement, and certainly since the beginning of Rock Creek Church, baptism has been an outward proclamation of an inward transformation. We just celebrated this incredible event at 
uh, John and Darlene McGovern's beautiful home. For years and years and years, they bear witness to the lives that have been changed and proclaimed in their pool. And we just celebrated that. It was a beautiful, beautiful outing. It's a sign that you are all in, not necessarily for a particular church, but you're all in for your Lord Jesus. Under the water and back out. Dying to an old way and coming out new. The old way of living gone and the new way of living is now upon you. And we do that not in seclusion, in a privacy, but in a very public manner. Everybody's around the pool. Everybody's watching you. Some of you, a lot of you in this room have been baptized at the McGovern's Incredible Pool. And you know that feeling. It's a family atmosphere. It's a significant way of belonging, not just to the kingdom of God, but belonging to this church belonging to Rock Creek Church. And our hope moving forward this year is to combine the McGovern's outing that we do with baptism and now expanding to doing baptisms in this room. We haven't figured out how, but we're going to. Because there's never a reason if someone accepts Christ and wants to be baptized, we don't want to delay that. It might be a horse trough. It might be a pool. It might be a kiddie pool. We will figure it out. If you don't like any of those options, feel free to donate $10,000 for a baptismal tank. Until then, we'll go to like Big R and we'll figure it out. Finally, the last one that this passage tells us and something that we promote unbelievably strongly is that community is promoted, is strongly promoted in this church. Community. Relationship. Turn with me to Acts chapter 11. This will be the next uh, chapter over. And we're going to look at verse 22. All of this happens... Peter and Cornelius have their moment. People are being baptized. People are, are being pulled in that we're looking for something. And verse 22 tells us that the report of all of this came to the ears of the church of Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, mission, if you would. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great many of people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Who is Saul? Paul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many of people and in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Do you hear the beauty in that? For a whole year, they met with the church and they taught a great many of people. And in Antioch, 
the the disciples were first called Christians. That's the church you belong to. That's the kingdom of God if you've given your life to Jesus that you will spend eternity with. It's a beautiful, beautiful moment because there's Cornelius and his buddies in Antioch and they're together with a purpose. Friends, you need community. You need worship. You need faith followers alongside you. Just like a football player isn't a football player if he's just throwing the football around in the yard all by yourself. You're a football player if you've joined a team and and you're playing football. And the follower of Jesus needs a team. The importance of gathering on weekends, the importance of praying for one another during the week, the importance of carrying one another when life is really hard, the importance of worshiping together, serving together, laughing together, crying together. We're a family. And in carrying out the great commission of Rock Creek Church, we want everybody to belong here. And you also need more than this service. Again, I say this in love. You need more than just showing up here on Sunday morning. You need a life group. Doesn't even have to be Rock Creek Church Life Group, but you need a Bible study. You need a a group of believers around you that are walking in life with you. You need that. You need a life group. If you don't have people around you, if it's just you or you and your wife or you and your family and and there aren't others around you, can I implore you, please visit the table in the back and just explore about joining a life group. This place is known as being welcoming and friendly. I've had probably, Sandy and I and our family, probably 30, 40 people from all over the nation visit us in the three years that we've been here. And every single one says, man, your church is super friendly and welcoming. And we want that to grow. We want it to be that not a single person who maybe it's their first or second or third Sunday to sit in these chairs or when we, when we finish, stand in the lobby and not get greeted four, five, six times. That no one sits alone, that no one doesn't have friends, that no one goes without a life group, without a a network of people who love Jesus and want to be on mission for him, and that no one goes without answers to their questions, that we belong, whether it's their first Sunday or you've been here for 20 years. Because like Cornelius, we want to create a sense of belonging where answers can be found. Will you help us create that? Will you? Will you help us create this idea that that something that matters to this church can, 
can help us reach the mission and accomplish the mission that God has given us as a church. Because it takes a family. It takes every single one of us committed to doing exactly that. I want to end with a country song. I'm not singing it. You're welcome. You don't have to clap, Clark. I want to end with a, a, a country song. How many of you like country? I'm not going to have you raise your hands if you hate country. All right. And it's a secular song. This song by Toby, Teeth, to, Toby Keith is called I Love This Bar. You guys heard that song? How many of you have never heard that? Cool. I'm going to change the words to it. The title is I Love This Bar. Here are the words in part. We've got winners, we've got losers. I'll let you decide who's who. Chain smokers and boozers. We've got yuppies, we've got bikers. We've got thirsty hitchhikers. Mmm, I love this church. Bar. <laughs> the chorus goes like this. I love this church. It's my kind of place. Just walking through the front door puts a big smile on my face. It ain't too far, so just come as you are. Mm, I love this church. And we love this church in part because it's a place to belong. We love this church because we see young people born into this and become leaders on our stage. We love this church because we belong together when we're serving the least of these. We love this church because there is no uh, gender or race or, or financial separation between any of us. We love this church because you can come as you are and you can actually belong here. This is your church. And we love you. And we want you to further feel a sense of belonging in this place. Because as a leadership team, we strongly believe that the Lord has just begun. Unleashing his mission for us into this great community that we get to live in. So let's pray together. God, we love you. We have... We have not earned in any way the right to belong to your family. In fact, we have given you every reason not to belong to the kingdom of God. We give you reasons every day to turn your back on us and to walk away, and yet you don't. You continue to hold arms wide open and say, come as you are, come to my throne, come before me. My burden is light. I will walk with you. I will forgive you. I will give you grace and mercy and gentleness because you belong here. And God, as a church, we want to be that in a greater sense, both from a corporate sense, but also our individual lives. We want to be ones that speak of the gospel of Jesus. 
We want to be ones who welcome every single person that crossed our paths so that you receive all glory and honor and praise. How we love your church, God. Please grow it as you see fit. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you please stand?